Welcome to the Your Pretty Pennies podcast. I'm your host, Tara Jones, a personal finance coach, lifestyle designer, and mommy. The YPP podcast is a weekly show created to inspire and assist you with becoming financially stable so you can build wealth and design your desired lifestyle. Hey, hey, welcome to YPP TV. I'm Tara Jones, your financial coach and educator. If this is your first time catching me live, welcome, welcome, welcome. I am a financial coach and educator, and I help you afford your desired lifestyle and help you attain financial freedom. So today I'm going to talk about the seven steps that I took to attain financial freedom. Um, if you go back in some of my videos, I talk about how my financial journey be began in 2009 when I became a single mom in college. When I was in college full time, I became a single mom and I was struggling in debt, car loan, auto loan, had to pay back, had to move out of my apartment and pay off the back rent that I owed because I broke my lease, things like that. Very tragic time in my life, uh, a lot of struggle, but I completely turned it around. In 2017, went back to school, uh, went to school for finance, studied the personal finance industry so I can get myself out of debt, get myself the ability to attain financial freedom, and I'm giving that ability to you. So I sat down and I thought of what were the steps that I took to attain financial freedom, and I put them into a little PDF that'll be available here in the link in the description box so you, can, so you too can attain financial freedom. Let's get started with those steps. Number one, I mastered my monthly budget and started giving. Once I realized that mastering how I manage my money on a daily, weekly, monthly basis is the key to financial success, like it completely changed the game. So one thing that I always do is manage my money on a monthly basis. So whenever you're using a monthly budget, that is what you're doing. You're you're managing how much the income that you have coming in in one month you're managing it for that month and using that income to pay for the expenses that you're going to incur that month huge because that means you don't give yourself or allow yourself the ability to dip into your savings or what you saved last month whatever's in your savings account from the month before is what you leave in there and you use this month's income to pay for this month's expenses. That's all a budget is. Nothing more, nothing less. It's just planning out what you can do and what you're going to do with your money for this month. So it's September 2017. What you should be doing is sitting down and saying, okay, I have this amount of income. Let's say 3000 I have $3,000 coming in this month. What am I going to do with $3,000 that, number one, invest in myself so it develops me personally or professionally. Number two, it helps me attain financial goals. That's what you should be using your money for. Number one, invest in yourself. Number two, attaining financial goals. So when I say investing in myself, I mean the proper food. So groceries is investing in myself. I need to eat. I need to drink water. I need proper nutrition. Um, doing my laundry. If you need dry cleaning, that's investing in yourself. Paying your rent is investing in yourself. It's giving you a place to stay. Things like that. What is not investing in yourself 
is luxury expenses that you do not need. Cable is not investing in yourself. There's nothing that you watch on TV that's investing in yourself that you're going to watch. If you want to watch YouTube, you can watch, stream all of the things that you can watch on cable if you want to use it recreationally. You can do that on your tablet, on your laptop. Find ways to cut back and take your money out of things that are not investing in yourself and put them in places where it is. Reading a book, researching, um, learning how to attain your financial goals like this. These are things that are investing, that's investing in yourself. Hiring a coach, uh, going back to school, things like that. Use your money in a way that you're investing back into yourself and or attain a financial goal. So are you using your money to pay off debt? Are you using your money to save so you can save for emergency funds? Are you using your money for planned expenses like you know you need to upgrade your car soon so instead of getting an auto loan you're going to pay for it you know in cash upgrading investing with your money also i became a giver when you give you activate what i like to call and what others like to call supernatural law of reciprocity so you reap what you sow right there's a natural law of things a natural order of things you reap what you sow well, when you give cheerfully and earnestly, you also are allowing God to bless you supernaturally. And I see this all the time in the mentors and the people who came before me that I look up to that are, are at a level monetarily that I want to be. They're all givers. They're all just cheerful givers. Give everything. Look outward. Give their time. Give their energy. Give their resources. Give money. They're just givers. And not only does it activate supernatural law of reciprocity, but it also takes, it also shifts your mindset from lack and focusing on what you're experiencing right now and allowing you to be grateful for what you have. So one of my favorite things my daughter and I do is go to the kids' food basket and we pack food for uh, kids who do not have after school, who does not have food in their home after school. When I was doing that while I was in debt, I, I felt, I felt stupid. I felt just ungrateful for being so bogged down and so irritated and so defeated for having debt. And I'm like, wait, at least I have food in my house that when Taryn comes home, she can eat. You know what I'm saying? Like that is just, uh, it puts you in a whole different mindset. So it, it allows you to be grateful for what you do have. When you do come home, you can lock that door and you can sit on your couch. And some kids don't even have couches to sit on. My daughter has a room. Some kids don't even have a room designated for their own space. Like it literally makes you go outward and, you know, makes you be less self-centered and more focused on what you do have and the abundance that you are experiencing. Number two, I established my starter savings account um, and I put $2,000 in there. So that was one thing that I did at the beginning of my financial journey was always kept money on hand. Before I started paying off debt, before I started my business, before anything, I had $2,000 set aside that if something happened, which it always does, you're always going to have wear and tear on your car. Uh, you're always going to need new clothes. Your, your daughter, your kids are always going to run down their shoes. There's always going to be something that comes up. You're more than likely going to have to go to the doctor's office at some point, and you're going to have a medical bill, like things like that, that even though they're unplanned, like you don't know when it's going to happen, the likelihood of things happening to where you need to have money on hand for, very likely. 
So once I realized that, saved $2,000 in a savings account, and I kept it there. And it was for things that were not already planned out in my budget. So for example, one year I needed a root canal um, because I grind my teeth. And I cracked my tooth, and I knew that, and I kind of waited to like my checkup, my six-month checkup to go to the dentist to kind of get it addressed. And so in the meantime, I ended up getting an abscess because it was cracked. And so they needed to repair the tooth and give me a root canal and all this other stuff. So it cost $2,000 above insurance. I had to pay $2,000 out of pocket for like the endodontics treatment and all that. And it was so painful that I quickly ran to the bank or I quickly gave them my debit card to pay that off because... The pain was so great. I don't know if you've ever experienced a root canal, but the pain of a root canal, like that nerve pain, is so excruciating that I would have paid a million dollars if I had it for them to repair my tooth. And I did not have to wait because I had that $2,000 in my emergency fund there ready for me to use it. When my car ran out of, when my battery went out on my car last summer, last winter, Middle of winter, I went straight to AutoZone. They said, oh, you need a new battery. We don't have your battery here. We have your battery, but you got to go get it replaced uh, at Sears because we don't replace this battery. It's too far underneath the carriage of the car. Had to pay for a new battery and the labor, two different places. $500 already in my account. It was nothing. I didn't even have to stop my, my savings plan because right now I'm in savings mode for my house. I'm buying a house uh, next year. Um... I didn't have to stop anything that I was doing because I have money set aside for things that I know is going to happen. Brakes went out last week, need new brakes, they're grinding. I have money set aside for things like that. So number two, create an emergency fund that you have for things that happen, the things that come up. Number three, I stopped borrowing and then I started to address my debt. So after I had $2,000 saved, I kind of like knew how to manage my money on a monthly basis, established some financial goals. One of them was to, was to become debt-free. And my why, because one thing that you have to do when you pay off $60,000 in student loan debt and auto loans off and vow to yourself you're never going to become burden with debt again you have to give yourself a reason why you're doing it what is the result what is the outcome that you're looking for because the process is hard the process is tedious it's long you know you want to go out with your friends you want to go out to eat you want to do all these things go take a trip but in the back of your mind you're like man i could be paying off debt with this money so you have to develop a why why is it that you want to be debt free because it's not going to kill you to be in debt yes it's bondage yes you feel like you're under the, the thumb of somebody but will it actually kill you realistically no but it's like what lifestyle do you want do you want a lifestyle to where you're paying people every time you get a check or do you want a lifestyle to where all the money that you earn you can use it to build more wealth passively that was my why my number one why was i want my check back whenever i get paid i'm tired of paying a bunch of people. I'm tired of paying bad loans. I'm tired of playing Macy's. I'm tired of paying Huntington Bank for this car loan. I'm tired of playing paying um 
you know, anything else that I had, any other debts that I had. I'm tired of paying all this money that I'm paying out to these people and help funding their dreams. I could be creating the lifestyle that I desire. So I switched it. I said, you know what? No more borrowing. It's time for me to take control of my finances. It's time for me to use my money that I work hard for to build wealth and to change the trajectory of my daughter's future, of the generations after her's future. So that was my why. My why was I don't want my daughter to have to pay for, uh, have to uh, take out student loans in order to go to college. I want to be able to invest money to where I pay for her college and then her children's college and then that and i'm gonna set her up to where she invests when she's young i'm 28 when by the time she's 30 35 having children she's going to be investing in her children's college fund and then her grandchildren's college fund and it's going to keep going that's going to be a, a tradition that i have implemented in my my um my lineage right in my generations to come so legacy, legacy, legacy. What, what are you doing this for? What is your why? What do you want to leave for generations after you? What lifestyle do you want to create? What is your why? Number four, I then, after I paid off all my debt, which took me about, uh, I paid off my student loans earlier this year. So that took me about four, two years, one year to pay off my auto loans. And then I stopped for a while and about two years to pay off my um, my student loans. Then after that, I supercharged my savings by saving up three to six months worth of living expenses. Now, the reason why I did that is because, um, again, I'm focusing on my why, what lifestyle that I'm trying to create. I want to keep money in the bank to where I can start foreshadow. I can start planning ahead on what I want to do within the next year or two. So right now, I have money sitting in the bank because I want to take a trip next year for spring break because I know I have to pay taxes. So I'm a full-time entrepreneur now. I used to be a, full, a nine to fiver, and I didn't make a high income to where I still got taxes back. I got a tax refund check back. Now I pay taxes. So now I'm have to save for that. So now there's money in the bank for paying taxes, okay? Now I need to... I know I need, I have more insurance policies that I have, and I pay them every year. I pay them for the full year. I don't like the monthly payments. So I have um, life insurance. I have auto insurance. I have renter's insurance. I have long-term disability on myself now that I'm a full-time entrepreneur. Uh, health insurance comes out every month. Um, but those insurances I pay every January in a one-time fee. And so I save up for those payments. I know they're going to come. So when you are put, when you are supercharging your savings, it's very important for you to kind of think ahead on how to maintain your financial freedom by managing your money. Go forward the next year and say, okay, what am I going to be doing within the next year? What are my goals for next year? Another thing that I'm doing next year is buying a home. So now I'm supercharging my savings and piling up cash in my savings account so I'll be able to put a nice down payment on a home to where my interest rates are like nice and low, my monthly mortgage is nice and low. You know, like go ahead, like once you have your lifestyle that you desire planned out, you can plan out what you want to do first, second, third, and fourth. And then you have to use your money, like we talked about in step one, use your money and invest in what you want. I want a home, 
for me and my daughter. What is my why? I want a backyard for her to flip. She's a gymnast. I want her to backyard. She, I want her to have a backyard where she can flip. She can swim. Um, I want a home to where I control the energy. I control who comes in and out. Right now, I live in a, a duplex. And we have a main door. I hear the door opening in and out. That's not the lifestyle that I desire. I have to wait on my landlord to cut the grass. That's not the lifestyle that I desire. I want to be able to control when my grass is cut. If my grass is full of weeds or not. If I have flowers in the front or not. I can't control that because this is not my house. I desire to create the home that I want. And so therefore, I'm using my money on a monthly basis, saving it in a savings account so I can attain the home and the atmosphere that I desire. So that's number four. Number five, I stopped abusing my credit and started leveraging it. This is big. There is a big difference from using your lines of credit to live off of versus leverage. Now, the term leverage means to use something and use it to where you make profit or make more money off of what it is that you borrowed or used. So let's say if I got a business loan, which I didn't have, I don't have any business loans, but let's say, for example, if I got a business loan for $10,000, if I'm leveraging a, a line of credit for $10,000, that means I expect to make 20000 or 30000 to the point where when I pay that back that business loan, I'm still in the black. I'm, I made more money than I spent. When I leverage credit, credit and buy a home, so a mortgage loan is a line of credit, you leverage it by finding a home that when you buy it, let's say if my house is 250000 that I pay for it in my mortgage, by the time I'm done paying for it, my house should be worth way more than what I've put out for it. Does that make sense? Type yes in the comments if that makes sense. Leverage credit. So when I go to Macy's, right, or when I go to Home Goods and I'm using a credit card, you are there you're the whatever you're buying at Home Goods at Macy's are depreciating assets, auto loan depreciating assets. You can never buy something with you can never buy those things and expect more money in return. It will never increase your bottom line. It will never increase your net worth. It will only depreciate it. And I'm not saying a, a, a car is not valuable or clothes is not valuable. It definitely is. But that should be used. You should buy those with your cash, not with credit, because it's a depreciated, depreciating asset which means just use your money to upgrade your lifestyle if you want a new car if you want you know to upgrade your furniture that's in your living room save up for that don't risk your financial health over something that will never make you money i would risk my financial health for a home because the likelihood of it making me more money is great i would risk my financial health for a business because I my business plan is very likely to make me more money than I borrowed. So number five, leverage credit, don't abuse it. Number six, protect. I protected my financial freedom with insurance. So I just talked about a little bit about the insurances that I had. There's five that everyone should have, it's most of them as soon as you can afford it, but you should at least let, have health insurance and auto insurance. And then you should also have renter's insurance or homeowner's insurance, life insurance, and also long-term disability. 
life insurance, long-term disability, and uh, renter's insurance might not be affordable for everyone. So definitely when you're able to afford it, get it. Because what you're doing is when you purchase an insurance policy, you're basically shifting the bulk of your financial risk for living, right? All those things are just covering you from day-to-day -day stuff because it's risky to be out in the world. It's risky to drive a car. It's risky to go snowboarding. It's risky to go swimming. It's risky to go running and trip over a rock and break your leg and you need your health insurance to kick in. It's risky to... um to eat unhealthy, die of a heart attack, and now your kids and your wife need money. So you have a life insurance policy to pay out to make sure you cover your funeral arrangements and also help her uh, you know, financially for a little while until she get more streams of income into the home. You know, it's risky. And so basically what health insurance is, is a health insurance policy is saying, okay, insurance company, I'm going to ch change or transfer the level of risk that I carry on my shoulders to yours. So the deductible that you pay every month for your health insurance, or not the deductible, the uh, the monthly premium that you pay, the monthly payment that you pay, and then the pre the deductible that you have to pay up front if you file a claim is is low financial risk. You can cover those expenses with your emergency fund. It's the big numbers that you don't want to pay. So, for example, if you get into a car accident, heaven forbid, but if you get into a car accident and the amount of damage that happens to your car is eight thousand. Let's say if your deductible is five hundred, you pay five hundred. Remember, you already have an emergency fund at least of $2,000, right? So if you have a deductible of 500 to 1,000, you can cover that with either your income for that month or with your emergency fund savings. And then the auto insurance will pay the 7,000. So you've transferred that risk from yourself to them. When you pass, if you pass away, or if your husband passed away and you have a life insurance policy on him, or he has a life insurance policy on himself, what you're doing is is securing the fact that you're 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 paying a little bit, right? So you pay forty dollars a month for the life insurance policy, and then if you pass away, or if your husband passes away, if your child passes away, you get a lump sum of money from the bank or from the insurance company, and that's what covers your or the the funeral arrangements. It covers the headstone, and also you can use that to supplement your income because. If you are married, losing one income into the household is pretty is pretty substantial. So that gives you time to kind of re you know to adjust the fact that you went down to one income. So number six, get all the insurances you need: health insurance, life insurance, renters insurance, homeowner or yeah, renters or homeowners insurance, long term disability, and um, renters health auto life insurance, long-term disability. Number seven, increase your income and invest it. That's where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm saving too for my home, but what my main thing right now is, is now that I have income from my business and I pay myself from it, it's like, how can I use my personal income to make me more money to invest, so to, you know, like increase my bottom line, increase my net worth to where I don't have to do any more work. Unless you desire a lifestyle to where you're constantly working, constantly stressed, constantly, you know, like hustling and running and ripping. I doubt that's many of us. 
It is wise. And it, it should be your goal to start using money that you make from your nine to five or you make from your business, your salary every year. Use that to not only pay for the things that you need to survive, invest in yourself, invest in, you know, things that you want right now, but also invest in things that make you more money passively. Real estate, building a business. Right now, all my extra money is going into my business. Because the more money I drive into my business, the more money I make, the more re more streams of income I get in there. And in the return, it makes me more money. So right now, my two financial goals is building my business, which I'm sure you can see like the strides that I'm taking in my business. I put a lot of sweat equity and also monetary, monetary uh, investment in my business to make it grow, right? But then also I'm saving on the side for down payment for my home. So let me recap those again. Number one, the seven steps that I took to attain financial freedom. Number one, master my monthly budget and became a giver. Number two, establish my, my savings account. Number three, stop borrowing and start controlling my money and start taking ownership and being in control of my life. Number four, supercharge my savings with three to six months worth of living expenses. Number five, repaired my credit and then used it to leverage not to abuse it anymore. Number six, protect my financial freedom with insurance. And number seven, increase my income and started investing my income. All right. Leave me some comments below. Let me know how this has helped you. What step are you on? That's the question I have for you. What, what step are you on in my seven steps to financial freedom? Um, and also, let me know how I can help you. Uh, write down in the comments below if you need to hear anything in excess. If you want me to go over a particular point in excess, let me know. Drop it in the comments. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's Lunch Money with Tara Jones. Um, I will see you in the next video. Bye-bye.